This is Popular Front, a podcast focused on the niche details of modern warfare and underreported conflict with me, Jake Hanrahan. Today we're speaking to a local journalist in northeast Syria in Kamishli or Kamishlo in Rojava. His name is Barakan Ahmed. He has been covering the recent clashes between NDF pro-Assad militiamen and the Kurdish SDF uh, internal security forces known as the Asayish. Basically, this NDF militia and the Asayish have been fighting each other. It's gotten quite serious. Uh, Badakan is going to explain it all for us. If you like what we're doing, please do consider supporting us at patreon.com slash popular front. So you're in Kamishli right now, yeah? Yeah, right. I'm in Kamishli. Okay. Um, so there have been clashes between what the what, what are they like Assad regime militia, right? The NDF and then the the Asayish. Maybe just uh, explain to us what has actually been going on. What triggered all this? Well, let, let's uh, to talk about um, who controls Kamishli. Uh, it's Asayish, the internal internal security forces, which belong to the Saif administration in northeastern Syria. And to talk about Kamishli as a city, uh, uh, of course, it's under under their control. But the Syrian regime has some like two headquarters inside the city, and also they control the airport, the Kamishli airport. But there is uh, a neighborhood called Altai neighborhood, uh, which was, I mean, which was under the control of the National Defense. The National Defense. Um, it belongs to someone called uh, Muhammad Faris. He's from Altai uh, 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 tribe. Uh, it's an Arab tribe, and they 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 started with this uh, with this force or with this uh, uh, group, uh, like since the beginning of the Syrian events. Um, um, I mean. It, it's, it was like a kind of, uh, of support to the Syrian regime at that time, you know, when they were, uh, when like the Free Syria Army, like pushing them and taking places from them. So they, uh, they start with this group to, to be like a supporter for the Syrian regime. And they were still, they were still now uh, controlling Altai neighborhood. And Altai neighborhood was like um, uh, a place where, where problems came from. Like, uh, if someone did a problem or did a murder or even steal, uh, steal somewhere, they just go there because it's like a militia, you know. Um, you can do whatever you want, just you have to pay. And, and also it, it becomes like a center for ISIS to do some terrorist attacks inside commissionally, like bombs, uh, like car bombs, you know, uh, suiciding themselves. So it was like a... It was like a a, a a good atmosphere for 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 these groups or someone who wants to do problem in the region, and and usually like problems were uh, were happening between these groups and Assage for on the checkpoints, for example, when they are asking for documents or when they are asking to give their ID or if someone who. If someone uh, uh, is wanted, so they take him. So then the problems come. And that was on Wednesday at night when the internal security forces stopped one of them. 
and they realize that that person has done some previous uh, uh, things before, and they wanted to to take him and to check his file more. But then his friends came to the internal security forces and asked the Assange to release him, but they refused because they refused and they said we will release him when we we check about him. And then they killed, uh, they attacked the Assange checkpoint and they killed uh, a leader uh, among them. You mean the uh, the Assad the Assad guys, right? The NDF. They attacked the Assaish checkpoint. Yes. You mean, yeah? yeah? Got you. And because that person, the the one who got killed in Assaish, he was like important, uh, mm-hmm. especially among his friends, and as a position to, like he was the responsible for the checkpoints in the region. You see, and then his friends and the Assaish started to attack them too and they they took like uh they 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 managed to control like around 500 meters inside uh the neighborhood in 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 that in the first hours but then yeah i mean the clashes been continuing uh the the national defense started to bring more guys to to support them and also the Assage did the same. And this clash is continue, was continuing for uh, three and four days. And during this time, the, the Russian army, because they have a base in Kamishli Airport uh, in regime territory, they were trying to negotiate between these two sides. Uh, but the Assage, they were having like a clear uh, decision, which is taking control take the control of all the neighborhood, uh, which is, yeah, one of the neighborhoods in Kamishli, and uh, and also to, especially to take the control of the main street, which is like, uh, which links uh, the, like the two parts of Kamishli to each other. Mm. So now it's like, now uh, all the neighborhoods, or all the city is under the control of the internal security, Except uh, like two small headquarters, which is uh, under the control of the of the Syrian army, like not the national defense, uh, because the national defense they they have nothing to follow. Like they do whatever they want, uh, they steal, they they kill people, they they I mean they have no rules, you know, not like the 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 Syrian army. Right. Did, so, did the Syrian army get involved at all? Because the clashes got really quite heavy at one point. Was it just the NDF militia or did the you know the regime forces? You know, I've been to Kamishli. They're pretty. They're kind of around. You know what I mean? They're everywhere in their areas. Um, did they engage at all? Well, no, because they have, as I mentioned, they have two headquarters in Kamishli, and they never attacked the internal security forces from their places. Like the Free Syria, the the sorry, the Syrian army or the Syrian regime, but in somehow we have heard, like we've got some news that they were surrounding, uh, they were supporting them in indirectly way, you know, mm. like uh, for example, giving them some weapons, opening ways, uh, roads for them, uh, you know, something like this. Of course, they 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 don't want to uh, to lose this militia, but. But because 
they were in a hard position like this the because the in, in somehow the Russian army hates them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we've got news that some Iranian uh, uh, from Hezbollah were fighting with them, especially. I've we've heard, heard this. this well, yeah. Yeah, we've heard this from the fighters on the ground because they told us how uh, professional they fight. You know, especially the snipers. Uh, because this militia, they're like mercenaries. They have mm. no experience. They have no reasons to fight. But the Iranians, they have experience and they they have reasons also to fight. Uh, also, they realize that they have like a big beard, the long beard, sorry. Uh, and you know the the look. They 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 were really close to Iranian fighters and Hezbollah. And we previously uh, have seen some some logos and some uh, uh, like pictures uh, in Kamishli which me which which leads to that to that uh, uh, to those fighters and also in in the <clears throat> when the internal security forces uh, started to clean the neighborhood they have seen some pictures of of uh, of uh, Nasrallah you know wow. and uh, Bashar together so uh, that's that's why the Russian wants to also to clean the neighborhood from the, these groups, and uh, and the, that's why also the Syrian regime they were not able to help them that much. Uh, so the decision was clear from the internal security to take the control, and now it's under their con- their control, and now they're trying to uh, to help the neighborhood in services, in electricity, and also other things. And yeah, I mean, and but also there will be um, a small point for the Syrian uh, army, the Syrian regime inside the neighborhood. Um, a friend of mine, um, also uh, in Rojava, was basically saying that kind of what you're saying, saying like, oh, um, they think that Russia was quite happy for this to happen because you know a lot it got rid of some of these NDF fighters. Um, do you think that's true that they've kind of just been like, yeah, this is let this happen, let them get killed? Um, well, I mean, I don't know exactly, but uh, but I think uh, I mean. The, the Russian, of course, as a strategy for the Russian army, they want to give all the area on, to the Syrian army or to the Syrian regime. That's that's mm-hmm. uh, clear, like as a decision from them, and they're trying this always. Um, but this is uh, is not gonna ha- succeed or happen because there is uh, there is American uh, bases in the region and also. The SDF and the Turn Security Forces, they don't allow for the Russian and for the regime to do to take control to any other places. Uh, but as the national defense, which is like a militia, could be they are happy uh, for what happened inside the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Um, you were there, you were covering this on the front lines. I saw some of your footage uh, online. And it looked like, you know, it was way more serious than previous clashes because, as we know, there have been clashes between uh, Asayish and the NDF before. I think last year and the year before that, there was some clashing, but this one seemed a lot more serious. How well do you think the Asayish handled this? This is like one of the first times they've been really tested out like that in an open combat situation for several days uh, in Kamishlo. How do you think they did? Do you think their training's working? Yeah, I mean, they... 
I mean, they were really fighting very well. I mean, the SIH, and also because they have good equipments, you know, like armored vehicles yeah. and weapons and ammunition. And, and also, I mean, of course, they have been in situations like this before. Uh, like many Assage fighters, they were before fighting against ISIS, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, 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 and against the uh, Free Syria Army also at some point, at some places, and even against uh, the Turkish invasion. So they have been in many previous, uh, uh, like, experience. And to fight against the national defense, it's, it was not really hard for them, but because of the support of the Iranian, uh, it was hard, especially in snipers, you know, because in this fight, they lost only three of them uh, as, as fighters. But, I mean, to talk about the national defense, they have lost dozens of them. And even uh, I've, I've seen some some of them in a far place, you know, they just got killed and they were on the, in the streets, you know. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was a serious fight. Uh, it was taking like uh, more than the like. Uh, it, it takes like four days or even more. Uh, there was there was uh, a kind of this fight uh, before five years between Assad and the Syrian regime. That was also hard because the Syrian regime was using artilleries yeah. against the city. And the fight was in everywhere. That that's why it was hard at that time. It was in 2016, and even it was at the same date, like April 2000, uh, April 25 to April 2016, and it happens again now 2021 in April. Uh, but it was uh, it was only in Altai neighborhood, not not in all of the city. Uh, it was in Altai neighborhood and also another small neighborhood close to the airport. Uh, uh, also, there were some, they were controlling uh, some places uh, there, like the national defense. So they, they clear, they, 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 they controlled all the city and they took everywhere from them. Right. Um, and for anyone that doesn't know, I know we've kind of mentioned it, but briefly just explain to us what is the actual role of the Asaish uh, in Rojava? Just explain, you know, who are they, what they do? Yeah, uh, they are controlling the cities. You know, they are, uh, their mission is to protect the cities. Like, uh, what we, as we call them, like the internal security to, to secure inside the cities, not the borders, you know. Mm. Uh, like... Uh, all the checkpoints, it's uh, it's from them, you know. The checkpoints between the cities, between the pl- uh, between the like, uh, yeah, the governorates and the cities. It's all uh, uh, it's it's all from them, you know. And also, as I mentioned, the security inside the cities, it's also them. But well, yes, on the borders uh, with the with the with Iraq and also in their reserve, of course. That's SDF. Right. That's the more like military side of it, right? Yeah, military side. You know, um, Asajj is like the police. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Um, and what's happened now? I understand that there was a ceasefire and then the same day I saw that the NDF just started firing again and then there was another ceasefire. What, what's the situation right now? No, it's 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 the end. They, they made an agreement between internal security and Russian and Asajj. The agreement, which is, um, of course, now it's under the control of the internal security. Uh, there will be only 
one point for the Syrian for the Syrian army and the Syrian regime inside the neighborhood, and uh, yeah, that's it. So basically, the the Assayish and the SDF have managed to take land from the regime side, right? Yeah. How much? Well, it was like um, I will just tell like a person. It was it was like um, let's say could be 10 person or 15 person yeah i mean 10 person or 50 percent of commissary was uh that was under the, their control and now it's to under the control of the internal security yeah i mean i'll tell you neighborhood also is is a big neighborhood i've been there yeah i saw some footage where there were like kurds returning to their homes uh in those areas that they taken from the ndf what was that about yeah, I mean, now, like, most of them, I mean, could be all of them return to their homes, houses. Uh, there are some damage, but not really big damage because there was no bombing or mortars, you know. I mean, damage, like, some fires in some shops and damage in the electricity um, and bullets, you know, bullets in windows, in streets, um yeah i mean they they have used uh rbj sometimes but uh that's like uh small damage in in some walls or some houses and now the um the safe administration because yeah now it's it's their duty to to rule this neighborhood now they are starting to clean the streets to fix the electricity and also today they they gave like uh gas for free to people you know uh i mean gas which is what you need to cook and um yeah so people are kind of going back to normal already um do you think that this could could spark more clashes though like the regime even though it is only like 10 percent or whatever or 15 percent you know, that's even more of the city that they've lost and they don't even control half of it now. Um, do you think that they might try and attack again or do you think this is maybe just a kind of flash-in-the-pan situation? No, I mean, I mean, uh, they have really no power to do any attacks or mm. to do anything. Uh, and, and, of course, this last uh, event was, was not good for, 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 for them, you know, and now because they are trying to show to the people we are good, we are doing election and this clashes was really bad for them like losing areas uh people do not like them anymore i have even you know because they there is like a point for the same regime inside that the neighborhood have even talked to some of their soldiers they were really uh, uh in a bad situation they were saying that uh our salary is not enough we want to just leave but we cannot because uh, we have our families like living in the the the, the Syrian regime territory, and yeah, like some soldiers were saying that we are serving since seven years, and others said since six years. Uh, usually, you you serve for one year, and then mm-hmm. you for one one year or two years, then you 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 are free. But they just keep them because of the wars, you know, and uh, like as, a, as an economy situation, I mean, regime is in a bad situation and they have no power to do any attacks or anything. The Russian 
they are trying their best to help them, but uh, they cannot. Okay, mate. Well, I'm glad that um, things are kind of quietened down now. Um, is there anything else you want to say about this that you think people should know? I, I just want also to mention that, uh, you know, always like the Russian army, just, I mean, they're trying to show to the people that they are good. Uh, like yesterday, they, they, um, they, they, were, they were in Altai neighborhood. They were like, like trying to serve some medical support to the people. But, you know, uh, when they are doing this, they are bringing like Syrian regime flags and, and Russian flags and showing it to the people. And, you know, like kind of propaganda. Yeah. Um, and they are doing this like in also other places. Um, and yeah, that's it. Thank you very much, man. I really appreciate that. Most welcome. Have a good day, man. That was local journalist Baida Khan Ahmad speaking about the clashes between the Asayish and the NDF pro-regime militia uh, inside Kamishli or Kamishlo. It's got two names. Uh, yeah, you can follow Baida Khan on Instagram at Baida Khan underscore Ahmad. That is B-A-D-E-R-K-H-A-N underscore A-H-M-A-D. He's a really good lad. Check him out. If you want more Popular Front, please do consider supporting us at patreon.com slash Popular Front. There are bonus episodes, access to the community discord, uh, narrated articles, discount clo- codes for merch, all sorts there. Also, I've got a book out right now. Um, it's a collection of some of my reporting, some of my written work over the years. It is called Gargoyle, and the subtitle is Reporting from Front Lines, Jail Cells, and Trap Houses. Check it out. You can get a copy on Amazon. I know, fuck Amazon, but there's a long situation with the copyright, so I had to go through this way. Uh, you can buy the book, find links at gargoylebook.com. If you like Popular Front, you will not be disappointed, I don't think, anyway. Uh, yeah, gargoylebook.com. Uh, thank you to our sponsors. This episode was sponsored by Oracle Coffee Shop in Portland, Oregon, USA. They're an independent coffee business selling only fair trade products. See them at 3875 Southwest Bond Avenue, 97239. Tell them that Popular Front sent you. Uh, the episode was also sponsored by Grind Core House, a pair of independent coffee shops in Philadelphia, USA. They've got one in South, one in West. Find them on socials at Grind Core House. The episode was also sponsored by Propagandopolis, an outlet selling and writing about historical conflict propaganda from around the world. Buy prints at propagandopolis.com. Use promo code POPULARFRONT10 for 10% off. Uh, if you want to advertise uh, with us, bear in mind you have to be independent and not some fucking corporate madman. Uh, but if you do want to advertise and, you know, we think the, the what you're doing is kind of goes with the ethos of what Popular Front is doing, um, we can talk. Uh, if you want to do that, email me at hanrahan at protonmail.com. H-A-N-R-A-H-A-N at protonmail.com. Uh, yeah. 
music in this episode. The intro was by Home, and the outro was by Sam Black. Check his music out at samblackpf.com. Also, the um, audio mix was done by Splicing Block. Um, check out Splicing Block podcast audio online. They're a very good bunch of people. Check them out. Thank you very much to our higher tier patrons for making all of this possible. Uh, they are Lapita Valenz, Bradley Davies, Laura RX, oh, uh, A Nickel, Manny, Travis Lieberman, Sky Alexander, Cherry, Ben Marshall, Dallas Don, LD50 Seattle, MJ, K Glitter Vulcan, Meredith Waters, Bethany Swerveland, C. O'Donnell, Adam H. Larson8669, Karanti, Bjorn Kirsten, Diamond Steen, Jacob, Michael O'Connor, Taylor Kidd, Zach Picard, Todd Cravens, Alexander, Nicholas Butter, Ron Swanson, JD, Jav, Ian Froese, James Cully, Michael Akakan, Ethan Fitzmadrid, Ed Coulthard, Johnny LaFleur, Clayton Taylor, Helen DeGenera, Mike Barone, Ben Crock, Liam Williams, Chris Cusimano, Degenerate Zero Alpha, Giorgio Arani, DR, Trey Nance, Amy R, Rubicon, Frank Austin, Amelia Me, Nawaiz, Christina Rivetti, Freya Northman, Ali Hunter, Moody Al Rashid, Bill Wilson, Andrew Hurley, Vida Provost, Brian McLaughlin, Tom Lochrin, Young Wasabi, Tony Bin, Adam Bergsnyder, JL, Sebastian, Stephen Davila, Anthony Kabarak, Dan Dunham, Fletcher Tate, Chad Walker, Diana Gorvenek, Lawrence Abrahams, Peter McCormick from What Bitcoin Did, Emily Molly, Axel Iverson, Christopher Martin, Ryan Sandercock, and Moritz Zumbul. Thank you all very much. Man, I remember when there was like three or four people to read out. Now there's so many. Thank you so much. You lot are keeping this going. As I always say, the more money we get on the Patreon, the more popular front you're going to see. Um, I know this month has been a little bit slow, you know, um, my granddad, God rest his soul, he passed away, uh, anybody knows me knows that my granddad was, you know, a father to me, he's the man that raised me, essentially, so, you know, that was a big hit, but thank you very much to the community, a lot of people were very kind um, and understood that, you know, there won't be as much content put out this month, but anyway, now um, we're going to hit the ground running again, so yeah, thank you all very much, please do consider supporting patreon.com slash popular from